Bears, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. Welcome to Victory Lane. Hella action this past weekend in Iowa. If you build it, they will come. And oh boy, did they come. Truck Series gave off some headlines to die for. Xfinity Series was also in action. Had some great racing in both series. I, I love Iowa. Can't wait to get out there later this summer for the K&M Pro Series East and West combination event. Plus, as you see in the episode title, we will hear from Ryan Sieg. As I caught up with him a few weeks ago. I should say probably a couple months ago at this point at Bristol Motor Speedway. A uh, little outdated of an interview, but in the past I wanted to run it, but we had so much content from the K&N stuff that was going on as well as the Cup Xfinity and Truck Weekends that I wanted to give you that. Well, this interview, not super time sensitive, so that's why I held it for a little bit, but there are some topics that you hear us discuss that you'd be like, wait, why are you talking about that? But it's a good conversation nonetheless. So this weekend at Sonoma, we're going to preview it. It is Daryl Waltrip's last race in the Fox Sports broadcast booth. And as you know, on Victory Lane, we always let old DW rev up the show. It might be the last time we do this because after Sonoma, there's going to be no more boogity, boogity, boogity. So I'll be taking suggestions as to what we should start the show as. And if I don't get anything, either I won't have anything or we'll keep DW. But for quite possibly the last time, Daryl Waltrip, Hall of Famer, 80-plus time winner in the Cup Series, three-time champion, all-around good guy in the sport of NASCAR, get her revved up. Buggity, 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 let's go racing, boys! Oh, miss you already, DW. Not really, but anyways. M&M's 200 and the CircuitCity.com 250 from Iowa Speedway. Yeah, Circuit City's still in existence, apparently. That was a thing that everybody in NASCAR was like, what, still exists? Crazy. So Xfinity, let's start off with that because there's not a lot to talk about. Christopher Bell wins, dominates, grabs all three stage wins, his fourth win of the season. And this season has kind of been dominated in terms of the talk about Tyler Reddick, right? Reddick has three wins, kind of a resurgence for RCR after he comes off of his championship, not really getting the respect that he deserves and he has earned. But C. Bell is just kind of quietly, I think, still the number one guy to beat in the Xfinity Series, and here he was in the Iowa Speedway Media Center reflecting on his victory. My car was just so fast. Uh, over the At the uh, first stage of the race, the long run, I was starting to gain on him a little bit and felt like that it was going to be pretty tough to pass him, and then we just had really good pit stops, really good adjustments, and uh, just got our Supra extremely, extremely fast, really early, late in the run. We were really good, so... Uh, hats off to Jason, and he did a really good job today. And whenever you mention the name Christopher Bell, there's obviously talk about him moving up to the Cup Series. It's a when. It's not an if. He's going to be there most likely next year. And he always deflects the conversation, which is fine. That's that's kind of what he's supposed to do. 
that's pretty much it when it comes to the Xfinity series. I mean, he just dominated the race. Cole Custer was there at the end. Tyler Reddick did not have a good day. He had some tire trouble that forced him to finish outside of the top 15, top 20, I believe. But he was quick. So was Cole Custer. Christopher Bell gets the win. That's kind of the big three as everybody's dubbing them so far this season in Xfinity. Truck race? God, I love the truck series. That is where the action was at, though. Ross Chastain. Yes, Ross the boss, the watermelon man Chastain. He wins stage two, I believe. Um, winds up winning the race in the 44 truck for Nice Motorsports. An insane story, right? The guy declares for truck points midway through the season, forfeits all of his Xfinity points, and starts from zero in the truck series. And then he gets the win, and he's now going to be in the playoffs, assuming he gets into the top 20 in points, which he will pretty easily. So he gets on top of the bed of his truck. He smashes the watermelon. He's going to get into the top 20. He's in, and he's fast. And he's going to win more races this year. And now he's going to have a ton of momentum heading into the playoff. Uh, 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 uh. But then, in post-race inspection, the truck fails. Ugh, gut punch to Ross Chastain. Brad Moran, the series director, who we'll hear from in a minute. The truck was said to be, quote, extremely low. And I heard that it was an inch and a half too low. Inch and a half! That is ins- that That is insanely low. For those of you that don't really know the measurements in terms of NASCAR, you know, like 1 64th of an inch is considered, like, you know, it's small, right? But that's still, like, kind of a lot when it comes to measurements. An inch and a half. That is a lot. So he gets the win taken away. He is disqualified from the race at Iowa. He gets minimum points. No playoff points, no stage wins, no stage points, nothing. So Brett Moffitt wins the race. It's his first win of the season. He finished second across the start-finish line, but gets the win. He won this race last season as well. And let's hear from him because it was kind of a subdued celebration, as you'll hear from him in the second soundbite. But let's hear from him here. The driver of the number 24 GMS Racing Chevrolet Silverado. Brett, now that you won the race, you're the defending truck champion, by the way. How you feeling? Uh, obviously, I was very disappointed. Anyone down in the bullpen uh, probably heard that and put it out already. Um, but it's uh, it's a big change of emotions, and obviously, this is not the way I want to win it. As as a race car driver, I I still know I got beat on track, which is frustrating. But um, you know, back in in the beginning of the year when NASCAR implemented this new system, it was to clear up the Tuesday disqualifications and the encumbered wins and. Uh, let the fans know and and everyone else know who actually won the race. So, it's uh, I'd still would rather take the checkered um, and be the first one to it. But I'll take a win any way I can get it, and that solidifies our our playoff spot and uh, fifty thousand bucks and a shot at hundred grand or hundred fifty grand next week. So, it's all good, and uh, we had a really good uh, Chevrolet today. Um, just came up one short on on track, and thankfully it all worked out. And this is what I was wondering, you know, where was he when he found out the news that he was the winner? Because most of the time, drivers in all three national series, they just get in their cars and go to the airport and go home right after the race. So where was he when he found out the news? I was halfway to the airport. I was already changing the motorhome, drinking some beers and headed to the airport and uh, mad as hell. So, uh, no, I didn't know. And then uh, the team called me and said, you know, head back this way. Um so obviously there was an issue 
Um, but, you know, I think it's for the integrity of the sport, it's the right thing to do. Obviously, I came out on the good end of it. If I was in Ross's shoes, I probably wouldn't be too thrilled about it. But um, it is what it is, and we finally got a win that we needed, and we'll move on. I teased it a little bit earlier. Series director Brad Moran, he addressed the media following Chastain's failed inspection. He kind of runs through the entirety of the process for you here, talking about how NASCAR allows the teams to do all different things to the car, put fuel in it, make these minor adjustments because things could have happened on the racetrack during the course of the event that will change the the balance and the measurements of the truck or car in, in other cases. So he runs through the entirety of the process and listen for the keyword extremely low when he's talking about the truck. Basically, we, uh, we have a, a procedure and rules in place. Uh, trucks are restricted on their, uh, on their ride heights at the front and the rear of the vehicles. Um, unfortunately, the 44 was uh, low on the front, extremely low. We have a process of uh, what happens at that point. Uh, we, they do get an opportunity to roll around. Uh, they put fuel in the, in the vehicle. They air the tires. Um, give them at least five to ten minutes, roll the backup on, uh, check them a second time. And unfortunately, the uh, 44 did not rise on the front at all. So you figure that that's a big enough storyline to lead a lot of NASCAR talk shows, talk radio, television programs this week, right? And it is. But then on top of that, we have the entire Austin Hill and Johnny Sauter aspect of things. What happened, you're asking? Well, the two are racing very hard for position, and there's been some history in the past couple weeks of hard racing between the two drivers. So what happens is Johnny Sauter bumps Austin Hill going into turn one. He spins out Johnny Sauter the following lap. That's just hard racing. That's what happens. So then he backs it into the wall. Johnny Sauter does. He's not happy about that. And then the next lap, he spins out Johnny Sauter. So under caution, he comes up to Austin Hill, rams into the rear of the 16 and wrecks him. Didn't get him into the wall or anything, but he wrecked him pretty bad. So Austin Hill's freaking out on the radio. Johnny Sauter, before he even did it, basically said, NASCAR, I know you're listening, but he's wrecked me the past couple weeks. I'm not going to stand for this. This is not going to happen. And if you're a NASCAR fan, you're an OG, you know that you don't mess with Johnny Sauter. But also, if you're Johnny Sauter, you know that you don't use your race truck or car as a weapon, and you definitely don't do it under caution. That's a no-no. So he was parked for the remainder of the race, and he declined comment to Fox Sports when Alan Kavana tried to get a word with him walking back to his hauler. So the penalty report comes out Tuesday afternoon after Todd Bodine actually tweeted it out earlier, which is kind of funny. So Johnny Sauter gets suspended for one truck race. He was not fined. He did not get a points penalty. But this is going to be the first time since 2008, 11 years, that he will not be participating in a truck race. Over 200 events. That's pretty insane. Austin Hill gets no penalty. Uh, which was kind of interesting to me. I thought that he would get on probation, maybe a fine for having some former fashion having to do with the incident. And I was a little surprised at that. But my perspective on the Jody Sauter thing is this. We saw what happened with Kyle Busch and Ron Hornaday a bunch of years back at Texas when Hornaday was a full-time competitor running for the championship. That was in the playoffs, and Kyle Busch was a one-off. Uh, Kyle Busch got suspended for that for the cup race that weekend. And actually, Joe Gibbs talked on Dale Jr.'s podcast that that was kind of one of the moments where things might not have materialized going forward, and that was going to maybe be a point where Kyle was not with the team overall. But that's an aside. I'm okay with the penalty levied down to Johnny Sauter because there's a precedent for it. 
Matt Kenseth intentionally wrecked Joey Logano at Martinsville in the playoffs a couple years back. That was under Green. I understand that. But Kenseth was a few laps down, and he intentionally wrecked him. It was payback. I get that. I don't think Kenseth should have been suspended in that specific instance because of what I said. It was under Green, and it was straight payback. Like, everyone knew that, right? The Kyle Busch thing, that was worthy of a suspension because it was under caution and the circumstances surrounding that. You know, Kenseth was in the playoffs before that. Kyle Busch was in a one-off. Hornaday was running for the championship. This one, it, it, it kind of falls somewhere in the middle because Sauter's running for a championship. Hill's running for a championship. They both have wins so far this season. But the way that Sauter went about it, he just had no holds barred, no regrets, which, by the way, I commend you for. If I was not holding a microphone with my hand, I would clap for you because I respect that. But the way that he went about it, that's not you can't not do anything because if you don't suspend him or you don't do anything that's setting a precedent saying yeah go ahead use your race car your race truck as a weapon you can wreck people all the time under caution we won't say anything about it that's fine and it's not fine so that's why nascar decided to levy down a one race suspension to johnny Sauter in the 13 truck for thor sport racing it will not affect his postseason eligibility though that's the key so he already has a win this season he is already locked into the playoffs he will be back the following weekend this weekend they're in gateway or as i should say worldwide technology raceway at gateway actually did that off of memory so shout out to me and he had a funny tweet too he basically after the penalty came out said well change of plans and he tweeted out a picture of his late model car he's like well i'm gonna go to wisconsin and run in the dick trickle race so that was pretty cool um but overall with that penalty i'm fine with it uh johnny made a mistake he knows he made a mistake um austin hill obviously was not happy as he shouldn't have been but he's not a guy to be pushed around either neither is johnny Sauter. just two alpha males gunning for the same piece of real estate but overall as i always say god i love the truck series so let's now throw it over to my chat a few weeks ago with Ryan Sieg, driver of the RSS Racing car in the Xfinity Series. We caught up at Bristol. His, his children, he has a couple kids, they actually made a special appearance at the start of this interview as well. We chatted about the speed in his car up to that point in the season, uh, which, I, I, again, is somewhat dated because he's kind of fallen off a little bit, but still running in the top 10, top 15 week after week. The sponsorship climate in NASCAR nowadays uh, and his talents overall behind the wheel. And I also wrote in my notes, you know what I mean, because if you listen to his interview on Kelly Crandall's podcast, the Racing Writers Podcast, which I recommend, by the way, great stuff from Kelly, uh, he always just says, you know what I mean. There's there's certain people that have certain pause phrases like uh or um. Kevin Harvick's is just for the fact that Tony Stewart's is but uh. It's like funny like that, right? Ryan Sieg's is, you know what I mean. But he's a great guy. He's a wheelman too. And I enjoyed my conversation with him. So hope you enjoy it as well. Ryan Sieg, thank you for taking some time. We have your special guest Olivia with us, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. And we got two others too, don't we? Yep. <laughs> Lily and Riley. It's a Sieg family affair here. Mm-hmm. Take the microphone. You can sing all you want. <laughs> I love it. It's a great interview already. Um, Ryan, you've had a very solid start to the season, and it seems like you're almost kicking butt and taking names. It's it's getting to the point where I don't really want to call you guys the underdog team anymore because you're put, you're you're running so well every single week. How have you kind of handicapped the start to your guys' season so far? Um, it's a uh, he wasn't third place. <laughs> credit to the you know what I mean the uh, the new cars and the new motors and. Uh, the sponsorship and my mom and dad and all of them that that's what makes uh makes it all go you know what i mean S- speed is money and uh, we've 
we put some some money towards it to get better stuff and uh the performance has gotten better all year we've uh, we've only got two outside the top 10 um this year um so it's going really really well right now i'm curious as to a few things with you so we'll try to get into as much as we can what do you think the difference is this year versus the past few years I mean, you've been an independent team, but what's the difference this year with the performance being so, so much better? Like I said, you know what I mean? It's all through the cars, you know what I mean? That's, that's a lot of it. We had Last year we had cars that were four, five, six years old, and it's hard to compete with the teams that have new cars almost each year. And sometimes throughout the year they have new cars that they've run uh, all, all year. Um, so that's a big part of it, motors and uh we had last year we had our own motors that we we bought ourselves yeah i got ecr this year yeah we got a lease program and that's this is the there's their best engine program and uh the cars that the two has and um that they ran last year and uh it's it's really shown that you know what i mean you can get some good cars and some good motors and we can run with with the guys we just got to put the whole package together to to get a top five uh somewhere else besides daytona i know yeah. we've got a lot of top tens uh, right and uh we want to get some top fives and uh this weekend at Bristol is, is a good, strong chance that we can do that. You talk about putting the whole package together. The package is coming together very, very well for you guys, but part of the package includes sponsorship. Now, I'm curious as to, as to your perspective on how difficult right now, how difficult is, is it to get sponsorship in this climate of NASCAR racing with a team like yours that's a little bit of an underdog with the Penske's and the Gibbs and the RCR's? How difficult is it to obtain sponsorship like that? Um, it's, it's very hard. Um, to get big sponsorship dollars where ours is it's not the you know what i mean the, the greatest but they do you know what i mean it is beneficial uh it'd be nice to get a big full-time sponsor right. that could get us to the next level uh-huh. of you know what i mean it's we're close but you know what i mean to get to that next level you need a whole lot more money easier uh, said than done yes yeah, so it, it's pretty hard you know what i mean you see people struggling with you know what i mean big teams struggling to get sponsorships and uh, all of our sponsors have come back and uh and that's a big part of the you know, I mean we treat them like family so uh it's a uh, can't do it without them you've seen a lot of things in your time racing nascar in terms of cost being controlled do you think it's better now than it was in the past or is it worse how, how do you kind of handicap the, the cost aspect of the sport it has gotten better with the the, the five-star bodies that they've put on this year and um, they've tried to slim down a set of tires here and there um this year um so they, they've, they've tried they've tried to help but it's just still so expensive either way you know what i mean it's still expensive yeah. but uh they've kind of tried to help but i know the motor deal is probably maybe something in the future but right for right now it's not so i think that will help eventually you keep going back to the motor deal and it's such a huge aspect of it you're smiling because i feel like that's one of the main factors that's forced you guys or i shouldn't say forced allowed you guys to run in the top five in the top ten and been that much more competitive this season do you think that's accurate yes very accurate you know i knew right away when we got to daytona and we went out just to practice you know i was like wow these things really get up and go and so they you don't can stop tell the difference like that easily yeah right away i was like wow these things really <laughs> they really go and don't stop you know yeah. what i mean usually you get out and they kind of just flatten out or those things just keep going so that's a big part of it your team is one of the few that chooses to start and park every now and then. Um, I'm curious, how does that benefit you guys as a team as a whole? Because we've seen the start and park kind of go away in the upper echelon of NASCAR, in the Cup Series specifically. There's a few teams that maybe will go five or ten laps and then park it and go home. But you guys you guys seem to do that more than the the other start and park teams out there. What's the reasoning for that? Um, just, just money, you know what I mean? Just to try to help pay for my car is the main reason. That's... Mm-hmm. Uh, the main reason and you know what i mean it's always good to have teammates also when they do race uh 
like at Talladega and Daytona, that's good to have teammates um, in the race. And uh, but most of it's money. You know what I mean? Because our 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 um, schedule is not full on sponsorship. There's a few races there where we don't have anything. So something's got to fill in those gaps. And it, you know what I mean? It's hard to just pull it out of your pocket all the time. So uh, it's it's a tough business, and we're trying to do with what we can what we got things that you keep coming back to are the motors and the money the two m's and i mean I, it, it is what it is though that's the thing but is it frustrating in that aspect where you've you've shown what you can do given the right situation given the right equipment is it frustrating knowing that it's a money aspect at this point more than anything else or is are you of the mindset of well that is what it is i can't really change it yeah it is what it is you can't change it you know what i mean i, I or i can't um it just is what it is got to do the best we can do with what we got so a lot of people are kind of dubbing you as possibly the next Ross Chastain, that guy who's been in underfunded equipment. I see kind of a surprise face, underfunded equipment for a little bit, but finally getting to show what he's really made of and what he can really do behind the wheel of a race car, specifically here in the Xfinity Series. When you hear stuff like that, what goes through your mind? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was kind of here before Ross, but you know what I mean? You can't show your talents with, with what stuff we had. and. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you get in the right equipment like he did. He got in one of the best equipments at the mile and a half oh, yeah. tracks. Ganassi is where you'd want to be at a mile and a half, yeah. and that's where he did excelled. And uh, But you know what I mean? It, I haven't really been able to show my talents. You know what I mean? We've just kind of been find, trying to find sponsorships that could help out, and we've had these sponsors for, you know what I mean, the ones we that came back this year, we've, been ha we've had them for a couple of years. So, you know what I mean? We've... we've formed a relationship and they brought more to the table this year and we found some new sponsors like shop boss this week last week was cmr construction those are both new to us so um every every bit helps what is the feeling behind the wheel of a race car when you're going from top 25 well let's start with stark and parking to go to top 25s to top 20s to top 15s to top 10s and now honestly top fives like that is the literal progression of you and your team here with the 39 group that feeling must be incredible to know all that you've gone through behind the scenes on the racetrack and now it's finally all paying off it's just like the ladder keeps keeps climbing yeah no doubt it's it has we've we've progressed with you know what i mean we started with cowboy and uh well when the truck series is just me and a couple other guys right and, and then we got cowboy to come along with us in the trucks and uh he's helped our program and then uh we got to the next step we've got you know what i mean mike ford come along for a, a few years and now we've got Shane Wilson with uh, some RCR guys. Very experienced Everything guys. exists, very experienced. And then it's just kind of a stepping stone all the way to where we're at now. It's just uh, it's all come together right. here recently this year, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Speaking of experienced guys, Jeff Green is with you guys. I know he obviously has a ton of legacy here in the Xfinity Series. What's it like to be able to work with him and bounce questions and ideas off of him? I know he's obviously in a different type of situation, and he's not going to win any championships, but to have that knowledge base here within your guys' team, it's got to be invaluable. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, it's always good to go ask him questions if, if needed. And uh, also, he, he brings a lot, you know what I mean, for his car. You know what I mean? He kind of takes care of his car, and that's a lot. You know what I mean? That's why we takes a lot off your guys' plate. That's right. You know what I mean? He's been beneficial by doing that. He kind of takes care of his car. Him and him and uh, uh, another guy of his that come along to the track, they kind of take care of that one, mm -hmm. and uh, that's been a huge help. That's you know what I mean. So that means that's good. <laughs> How's Josh Belicki been? Um, Josh has been great. When you know what I mean, he hasn't had the the results to to show for, but he's run. He should have been top twenty both the races that he was supposed to race yeah. last week at 
at uh, Texas, he had a loose wheel, and then at uh, Phoenix, they ran out of gas. So he was en route to finish 19th, 20th. So find sponsorships, and uh, I think he can do well. What do you got to say for yourself? What are you watching there? YouTube. I think she's a little bored. Yes. We'll wrap things up then. Long um, ride. I grow up this morning. <laughs> yes. Um, playoff points within the Xfinity Series. As soon as the playoff points got introduced, my original thought was, what about the cup guys are, that are going to be running Xfinity, and what if the Xfinity guys are going to be running the truck series? How are the points going to be allocated for stages? Would you be in favor of a model that kind of went to, instead of, let's say, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch finish 1-2 in a stage, would you be in favor of you, if you finish in third place in that stage, getting 10 playoff points and possibly, or 10 stage points, excuse me, and possibly a pay playoff point? Would you be in favor of a, a change like that to kind of put more emphasis on the Xfinity Series regulars? Yeah, that would probably be a good change because, you know what I mean, it, it, it does separate. Like last year, we were right there on the edge of the chase, but the stage points really just right. separated. You know what I mean, the top 12? It, it to, literally does make the difference. Oh, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? So we got a stage win last week, and that's what I've been talking about. We need to get some stage points. That way we do keep ourselves – you know what I mean? I think we're ninth or tenth or something, and just mm -hmm. keep ourselves up above into the chase. So stage points are the way to do it. You know what I mean? So uh, we've been been getting some stage point lately, and uh, hopefully it continues. Last question for me: Is a win out of the question at this point? Not at all. I think I didn't think I, so either. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I mean, want to hear you say. Get everything, get everything to come together, um, and um, I think that's possible. You know what I mean? Never know where, but eventually it's going. I would say it's going to happen somewhere. Yeah. You got to so. be lucky and you got to be good in racing. That's Ryan right. Sieg, thank you so much for the time. There you have it. My conversation with Ryan Sieg. Great guy in the garage area to speak to. Hope hope that he can possibly get some more positive pub um, out of this season because it, it's one of those things where you see the guy has talent. You see that he's doing all the right things. He, he's putting himself in the right position for certain things. You just hope that things work out for him. And Dustin Albino, one of my colleagues at Front Stretch, who is has the beat on Xfinity everything. So I highly encourage you to read him and follow him if you want anything Xfinity information-wise. He said multiple times, Ryan Sieg's going to win a race this year. I don't think that's going to happen, but crazier things have happened, so we shall see. Let's look ahead to wine country. Ah, Sonoma Raceway. Doubleheader weekend with the K&M Pro Series West and the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Procore 200 and the Toyota Save Mart 350. Let's start out with K&N, per usual. That's my specialty. 50 laps, 1.30 p.m. on fanchoice.tv. That is Pacific time. So for all of you on the East Coast, 4.30, set your alarms, free stream. All you got to do is sign up for an account and watch. Will Rogers, he is the defending winner of the event. He is be driving the number 40 for Levine Racing. Now, that's interesting for a few reasons. One, he's going to be making his debut with that team. He has teammates of Austin Tom in the 93, Matt Levine in the 10, and Cody Vanderwall in the 43. I did an article on him, caught up with Will, and he was basically saying how he's like a coach to those different drivers, and he also is going to be a coach for a very popular driver, Haley Deegan, who of course drives the 19 for Bill McAnally Racing, who's going to have four cars there, by the way, along with Derek Krause, Deegan, and Zamora. Lawless Allen is going to be driving the number 12 car. And I, I was actually talking to Haley for a story, which I'll mention in a sec. But I told her, I was like, I thought Allen was his first name, and I thought Lawless was his last name. And she was like, me too. But anyways, I digress. So Will Rogers has been coaching Haley Deegan, which is interesting. 
Because you think, all right, well, you know, they're friends. They've been friends for a while. It's nice that Will's helping Haley out. Haley obviously wants to do well on a road course with a lot of people watching and a cup companion weekend. And she said as much in this article that you can check out on NASCARHomeTracks.com uh, where Will and Haley both talked to me extensively about their test session over the past weekend and spec Miatas uh, at Sonoma. But the other part of this is that they're going to be racing against each other. Will's in the 40. Haley's in the 19. Will's an exceptional road course racer. Haley in her first ever start at Sonoma last year, qualified in the top five and finished seventh. So these these are two incredible race car drivers. But I was curious as to what the mindset is while they're racing each other. And Haley has not been shy of moving guys out of the way to get the win. All three of her wins have come on last lap passes. And she actually said something that took me aback. She said, I have a ton of respect for Will. I would not move him out of the way because it'd be like a slap in the face you know, I feel like I would only, I would almost have more respect for myself and people would have more respect for me if I finished second clean to a guy of that caliber on road courses than I would just wrecking him. And Will kind of said a similar thing like, well, she's proven that she can do a lot of things to win a race, probably different than I would do them, but we would race hard, that's for sure. So I highly encourage you to check out that article on the website. Uh, as I mentioned, Bill McAnally Racing, one of, if not the only track on the K&M Pro Series West Circuit that BMR has not won at, ironically enough. They're going to have four cars this weekend aiming to do so. And Derek Krause, he's already won at Sonoma this in the past seven days. In his Trans Am debut, he won in the Trans Am car. Pretty crazy, if you ask me. I talked to him as well. You can check out his story on NASCARHomeTracks.com. Shocker. Plug. Plug after plug. Anyways. That was surprising to me and surprising to him, as he said. He qualified on the pole, led almost every lap, and won the damn thing. Like, that that's pretty crazy. And that kind of came together last minute because this past weekend, the KN East was supposed to be racing at Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park in Connecticut. That race unfortunately got canceled, left this weekend open for Derek, wanted to get some extra seat time and track time at Sonoma, running the carousel for the first time. He did so very well and won the race. Jefferson Pitts Racing, when you think of road courses, you'd think of JPR. They have three cars in the field this weekend, and they are heavy, heavy hitters. Noah Gregson, who's won a ton of races for them in the past. Austin Dillon, who's obviously a Daytona 500 champion, Coke 600 champion, truck and Xfinity champion. And Ryan Priest, he's going to be driving for JPR as well. Cole Custer, another National Series driver, he's going to be running with Sunrise Ford in the 22 Ford with teammates Trevor Huddleston and Jagger Jones. And there's also one more National Series regular. I talked to him a few weeks back for NBC Sports Washington, Daniel Hemrick. He's going to be not in a JPR car, not in a Sunrise car, not in a BMR car, but to my knowledge, he's just going to be in the car. <laughs> I believe it's the 50 car, but we will see once we get to Sonoma Raceway later this weekend. Largest car count of the season, more than double of what we normally have in the K&N series, which is super hype. I think the last time I checked, it was either 33 or 34 cars that were listed. You got your four BMRs, you got your three Sunrises, you got your three JPRs, um, you got four, I believe, of John Wood's cars making the trip, and then you have a bunch of different one-offs. Excuse me, JPR is also bringing a car with Jim Inglebright. So that's a fourth car. He's driving the one. He made two cup starts at Sonoma, both for RCR back in the day. Don't want to short Jim anything about that. Jefferson Pitt story, also on the website. Um, National Series drivers competing story, also on the website. Quotes from uh, Jeff Jefferson of Jefferson Pitts Racing on there. Be sure to check it all out. I'll stop plugging. I have no idea who's going to win. I really have no clue. 
Will Rogers, he's obviously the favorite because he won this race last year. He won four road course races in a row along the east and the west coast of K&N. Haley Deegan, she won the last race in K&N Pro Series West season, bumping her teammate Derek Krause out of the way in Colorado, and she got coached by Will Rogers this past weekend at Sonoma. Derek Krause just won a race at Sonoma in his first ever start in a new series, and there's three cup guys, and there's two Xfinity guys, and there's a bunch of one-offers. So I have no idea what's going to happen, which makes it fun. So I am very excited to see who comes out victorious in the Procore 200. The cup race, the Toyota Save Mart 350, Sunday around 3, 3.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The last race for DW, shed a tear. There's no real road course ringers anymore. And someone brought that up in one of my group chats, I believe at Front Stretch on Slack. But I kind of was thinking to myself, like, there really hasn't been road course ringers that have been competing in NASCAR at Watkins Glen or Sonoma for a while. Like, for a while, you had Scott Pruitt, you had Boris Said, uh, Robbie Gordon when he stopped going full-time. He was there, like, every now and then, and you had drivers like that. But for a few years now, maybe even half a decade or a decade, there haven't really been road course ringers. And I think that's because a lot of the drivers overall have been exceptional when it comes to running road courses. Like, you wouldn't think Clint Boyer is a good road course racer, a country boy from Kansas. He's really good at road course racing. Kevin Harvick, he's won at Sonoma before. Uh, Kurt Busch, I believe he has as well. Kyle Larson has not. He's looking for his first points one of the season, as are Kurt and Kevin. Um, I mentioned Boyer. Blaney's looking to get the trio for Team Penske this season into victory lane. Alex Bowman, who lost his sponsor nationwide for next year, as we'll hit on in Lug Nuts of the Week. He's looking to get his first career win in the Cup Series. There's a ton of drivers. And those guys have not won a race this season, which is a real big possibility this weekend for a new winner in 2019 because JGR and Penske have dominated. Kyle Busch has gone multiple times. So is Martin Truex Jr. So is Brad Keselowski. So is Denny Hamlin. Joey Logano's been there as well. Chase Elliott is the lone guy not to drive for JGR or Penske that has won a race this season, and that was at Talladega Super Speedway. So you're probably saying to yourself, well, Davey, you've talked for, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes at this point. Who's your pick to win Sonoma? Well, I didn't give you one for K&N, but I will give you one for the cup race. I'll go with Kyle Busch just because he's Kyle Busch, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. He He's good everywhere. Like, He's probably going to whoop the field again. I hope that it's a close competitive race. And oh, by the way, I didn't even mention that this layout is going to be completely new. The carousel is going to be run. So usually, once they came up the hill into turn one and then went back down, back up, and then hit the short shoot into turn four, they're not doing that anymore. So there's not going to be any cool picks like that, unfortunately. But they're going to run the carousel now. The first time since 1997 that the cup guys will run the carousel. No drivers competing in this weekend's race have run it before, unless you've done a test session in another series or whatnot. But that is going to be an interesting wrinkle as well. I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. And I will be there this weekend for all the festivities, one of my favorite trips of the year. I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon. My flight is early Thursday morning. I'm going to spend the day in San Francisco on Thursday, Sonoma Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I can't wait. You know what time it is. Get it revved up, Diego Alvarado. Look nuts of the week! Cue the music. Teased it before, right after last week's episode dropped, Nationwide announced that they are leaving Hendrick Motorsports at the end of the 2019 season using an early opt-out clause in their contract. And I just got to say this. 
for all the people hating on Nationwide saying, oh, I canceled my insurance because you're leaving, and oh, how could you do this? The driver's doing well. Get over it. They've been in the sport forever. They've been great. They've been nothing but positive in terms of promoting the sport, doing things to help within the community. It's a business thing. That happens. Get over it. They'll find another sponsor in due time. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is paying homage to DW this weekend with the number 17 scheme on his Roush Fenway Racing Ford. Pays homage to DW, one of his last few starts in the Cup Series. Pretty cool silver and uh, magenta, scarlet, orangey type deal. In its 27th year, the Kyle Petty Charity Ride raised $1.7 million. And over a quarter of a century, I should say, they've raised more than $18.5 million. That's insane. I want to have Kyle Petty on this show one day to get his perspective on a lot of things, but the Kyle Petty Charity Ride specifically. Dylan Lupton is going to be joining DGR Crosley for six races at Chicago, Kentucky, Bristol, Vegas, Phoenix, ISM, and the season finale in Miami. And since we're recording this episode a little early on Wednesday afternoon, since I have a flight tomorrow, I got some stuff that I needed to do this week out of the way because I had a little free time because I moved around some things, which is tough to do. That's all, folks. Uh, got to say this one thing about DW. So I'm an NBC guy because I work for NBC Sports Washington, and frankly, I enjoy NBC's coverage more than Fox's NASCAR coverage. That's just my personal opinion. And I have not been shy in the past by saying, you know, like, DW's got to go. Um, I think he, he had run it. His time had passed. It has run its course. Um, and a lot of people were kind of hating on him earlier on in the year. And then when he announced that he was going to be stepping away, it turned into a love fest, which, I, which I'm glad about. I don't have any notes in front of me. This is just off, off the top of my head. I, I, I'm really happy that DW is getting the proper send-off that he is because all I have known in my childhood watching NASCAR is Daryl Waltrip. That's it. All I've known is Mike Joy and Daryl Waltrip with Fox. They took over the, the rights to NASCAR in 2001, obviously. Like, can you imagine this? Put yourself in Daryl Waltrip's shoes. You're starting off your career as a broadcaster in the biggest race in stock car racing, one of the biggest races in the world, the Daytona 500. Your little brother, who has never won in NASCAR before, wins the damn thing, and at the same time, a legend in the sport passes away in a 30-second span. Are you kidding? How, how do you... How do you how do you compartmentalize that and then put it into clear, concise, cohesive thoughts on the air? That's unbelievable to me. <coughs> Excuse me. Getting choked up. Just kidding. Just had something on my throat. My, my point is, for all the hate and the vitriol that was spewed Daryl Waltrip's way, myself included, earlier this year and in the past, I'm happy this dude is getting the proper send-off. He is an 84, I believe, time winner in the Cup Series. He's a three-time champion. He is a no doubt, and he's obviously in right now, but there was no doubt that he is a Hall of Famer. He is one of the good guys in the sport who I've never really seen him without a smile on his face. Whenever you talk to him, you can't help but smile because he's just a fun-loving guy. And if I get the chance to see him this weekend, I've never spoken to him, but I just want to shake his hand and say, Mr. Walter, thank you for what you've contributed to this sport. Thank you for being kind of one of the soundtracks to my childhood and on Victory Lane. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you've done. Good luck in whatever you're doing in the next chapter of your life. I know we'll probably see you at the racetrack once or twice more this season, as well as moving forward. But whatever you choose to do, do it well. You deserve everything that you've gotten so far in your career and you will get in the rest of your life. So, Mr. Waltrip, I thank you. That'll wrap things up for episode 16 of Victory Lane 2.0, four times four. 
please do me a favor. I know it sounds trivial. It helps me a lot. Rate, review, subscribe to this show. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, my best friend PJ Glasser is in, in my house right now because he just finished a movie and just came over. And I got to leave for work in like five minutes. So, peace and love. I will talk to you guys following Sonoma, maybe from Sonoma. Follow along with me on Twitter at Davy Center. Like my Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram. And follow at NASCAR Home Track on Twitter as well. Peace.